afternoon, everyone. Sunshine is so beautiful. <clears throat> so I'd like to uh, explore a little bit uh, the teaching on dependent arising, which I I mentioned a couple of times. Opened up a little bit. It's. Um, it's a very vast teaching, and um, and the Buddha said it's it's not easy to understand. Um, in fact, when his cousin and attendant Ananda said, "I think I I think I get it," uh, the Buddha said, "Oh, don't say that, Ananda. It's it's really this is profound." And uh, so. Um, so, so just to open it up a little bit um, in uh, uh, some ways that maybe we can uh, connect with, and and maybe maybe it's to a certain extent on the level of um, of ideas uh, that uh, that we approach this teaching on dependent arising, and then the other, the flip side of of dependent arising is, is emptiness. So, so what emptiness means is that uh, phenomena, our, our bodies, our, the world, everything that we can experience, is, uh, is empty. Uh, and what is it empty of? It's, it's empty of inherent, separate self-existence. So, um, so this, this is a really important part of how we can explore what is this body and how do we abide mindfully in this body. There are different um, phrases that are used to point to this um, deep teaching on on, uh, dependent arising. Um, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh uh, uses the phrase interbeing. So Thich Nhat Hanh, many of you probably have heard of, is a contemporary Vietnamese Zen Vipassana teacher. Uh, and um, yeah, he uses this, this phrase interbeing you know, which is I, I think is very wonderful, and 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 it evokes this sense that we we are in an interrelated way. That I, the way that we are, the way that we um, are alive and continually <clears throat> take life, uh, can continue on in life, and that life is sustained. Is in a in a profoundly interconnected way, and um, and it and and it's these interconnections are vast, and and we could just ponder, um, you know, like a single a single uh, entity, and 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 and. The, the 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 different kinds of of uh, uh, tendrils and threads that connect one entity, say say a tree, 
you know, to to all of life is is just vast, and 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 we could, you know, because you know, common sense is that we look at a tree and we we think it's a thing and it has its its separateness and it 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 has its own kind of uh, existence and there's there's a tree and then there's another tree um, and some of the the deeper truths about a tree is that first of all only about half of the tree is visible to us so we don't see you know a good part of the tree um, you know, I think I I heard somewhere that that about as much of the tree as we can see above ground, um, an equal part exists below ground in the whole root network system. But even even in this uh, this vast network of roots, this tree is uh, connected to other trees, and. And there's been some really fascinating research that's come out in recent years about how trees um, communicate uh, through fungi, uh, sending different uh, hormones uh, to to inform and communicate about perhaps a, a pestilence that's happening, insect invasion, or or um, or drought or fire. So um, so trees have ways of of relating with each other, being interrelated with with other trees and possibly other other uh, forms of vegetation that we're only beginning to understand. So, so in addition to, to um, pondering the interconnection of trees with other trees, of course there's, there's the interconnection of trees with um, life forms that breathe oxygen. And so you know, we're breathing in oxygen that the trees give into the air and where we and all other animals are breathing out carbon dioxide that trees then take in. And, and so there's a, a mutuality between other life forms and, and trees. And, and we, can, we can connect with this as we think about trees, that our bodies are really interdependent with the, the life form of trees. And, and, and that this evolved is really something of a miracle, that trees can, can capture the energy of the sun uh, and turn it into sugar um, and uh, and that this this tree can can uh, draw energy from the sun and then um, feed itself 
and and breathe in and out as it does uh, in interdependence with other life forms is is something of a miracle. This um, this mutation uh, that resulted in chlorophyll developing um, is so uh, unlikely. Such it's such a an un, I don't I think. I'm not sure. I I don't have my science exact, but I, I, I think um, on some science show, uh, my husband talked to me about this, and he said that it's it's actually never occurred um, since. Like in nature, it's like mutations are always occurring, right? But 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 this this mutation, you know, millions of years ago that resulted in in this form, this life form of trees and other um, fauna, flora, flora being able to uh, take in the sun's energy and and transmute it into uh, sugars um, has it's been looked for in you know since science uh, uh, scientists, botanists have been able to. To look for these mutations, and it's never occurred in in um, anyone's experience, or there's no evidence of it having occurred. So, so we think of, you know, we think of how how has how has life evolved, and uh, and all of the interdependent ways that. That life has evolved to give rise to this incredible um, form of, you know, a tree, and all of the diversity and you know in the, in the family of uh, I don't know the correct botanical um, species family, so. Forgive me, um, but uh, yeah, all of the all of the diversity that are are in that we see uh, in different uh, um, geographic regions, different different conditions that give rise to different kinds of trees that can exist in different conditions, and so so the. Um, the interconnections that the the interdependence that that exists through space, the arising of various conditions that can support life in particular ways, the the variations and and change that's happened through time, through evolution. And and we could perhaps, you know, say that we have evolved in in interrelationship, in interdependence with trees and other green forms of life. And so, so this dependent arising is. I feel that I'm uh, my 
my expression of it is uh, uh, doesn't really do it justice, but perhaps your imagination and your and your own knowledge can add to um, to you know my limited capacity to express the wonder of this. You know, of course, trees too, like human beings and uh, other life forms, are um, uh, need minerals from the soil to support their life form, and and so these, like uh, um, human beings, we're uh, are dependent on the supernova that um, send different elements you know, scattering across the universe. And, um, and so again, this vast web of interconnection. But then, you know, we, th- we think, yeah, that's really amazing, uh, what a tree is. And we think we know, we think that a tree is something that, that is out there, and as mysterious and wonderful and um, uh, marvelous as it is, we still have this idea that we know a tree. Um, you know, we see a tree, we know what it is. So, um, so you know, we may perceive a tree in a particular way. Um, and, and there are other ways of perception that would see a tree quite differently. Uh, many years ago, I, I watched a series of films uh, by a, uh, a cosmologist uh, named Brian Swim. Uh, maybe you've heard of him. Um, and he he uh, made uh, these series of of documentary films about um, about the universe. Uh, it was kind of a an evoking a sense of wonder at the universe to try to help create an earth based spirituality um, and and there was a particular passage in, in one of the films that really kind of, uh, you know, touched me very deeply and kind of opened my mind. And, um, I've, and I've told, I've retold it and I've changed it. Um, but the basic idea is this. You know, we think that we see, let's say, um, okay, let's continue with a tree. We think that we see a tree, and, 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 and that's, that's what the tree is, what we see. But there are other ways of perceiving. And so, you know, a squirrel that has its own perception, it doesn't have language, the way we do, but it certainly has its a way of perceiving. And to a squirrel, that tree is um, something very different than it is to a human being. 
um, to a bird. Sees a tree, sees trees from the, from above. You know, trees are something very different than they are to a human being. Um, it's a can be a, a home. It can be a, a safe place to to roost in a windstorm. It can be a source of food. Uh, it can be a place to nest and raise a family. <coughs> um, it can be a a turf where there's a turf war. I have a a hundred-year-old tree in front of my house, and I've seen turf wars between squirrels, you know, over the, the holes in the tree. And I've seen turf wars between squirrels and, and pigeons. Because one year, a pigeon family decided that they were going to occupy that particular hole and, uh, in the tree. And, um, and, and there was a a, a turf war and the squirrels won. They <laughs> <laughs> chased those pigeons out. So, so different perceptions. And so we can ask ourselves, you know, it, I think it, it can evoke us to question what is this you know, what is this perception that gives rise to this sense of a world, this sense of others, this sense of my body and other bodies? What is this perception that um, in which in which these these forms take life in our consciousness is this is there a final and ultimate reality to how I perceive is this the true reality I know that uh, you know one of the things I wanted to say is that, um, and I I meant to say it a little earlier, but it can go here. Uh, you know, trees. People have shared about how trees have deeply touched them on on this retreat, and um, and that somehow. There's been some kind of connection with those uh, life forms that maybe have changed their lives, have changed somebody's lives, and I've I've heard this many times on retreats here that these these trees are a powerful presence. So this this perception, <coughs> these perceptions that we we hold as uh, revealing some kind of um, 
real world out there, these perceptions are conditioned and they're impermanent. Have you ever changed a perception uh, that you've held about a person, about something that happened in your life? Maybe something happened in your life and you thought, oh, this is terrible. And then maybe you thought later, actually, this really was pivotal and opened me to something new. And we changed the whole perception that we have of that event in our lives. Or, or a perception that we have about a person. And, uh, and, and we think, uh, well, that person is really greedy or selfish and then and then they do something that shows you you know just a different side Um, so so we we can of course we we have our perceptions and we can keep fluid in our perceptions, not freeze, not, you know, let our perceptions, you know, hold them lightly. Let our perceptions be a kind of a, something that informs us, but, but be open to new information, be flexible. And our perceptions of the body. So our perceptions of our bodies, you know. Is this me? Is this mine? Um, you know, like just considering, considering that that this body uh, has countless times changed every cell that we were originally born with, and you know, so and and we look at a. We look at a picture when we were a baby or six years old or a teenager, and we say, "That's me," you know. And 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 what is what is the me? What is the me that that uh, we are identifying as a self? And we ident- we identify with things that we did <coughs> in the past, and we and we you know maybe things that we did that that were harmful. And, I mean, I can think of things that I did that were really so confused and so just really blind to the effects that it had on other people. You know, know, my heart just, you know, I, I feel, I feel a sense of remorse, uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't, I don't go over and over it anymore. I, I, I deeply realize that I would never do this. I would never do those things now. I mean, I just have changed. This mind has changed so much. Uh, the, you know, there's more wisdom. There's more compassion. There's more morality. I, you know, I would never make those choices. So. Of course, whatever, whatever happened those times, 
actually also contributed to my learning and to my evolution and to who I am today because I suffered in making those choices and I be, you know I, I began to see how I suffered so so we are our evolution our own moral personal spiritual evolution is deeply connected to the ways we caused harm to others as well. Um, It's, and of course, I mean, just our thoughts, our perceptions, our our attitudes, you know, they've all been, they've all been acquired in our many, 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 many relationships and many ways that we've taken in different perspectives uh, you know, over the course of our lives, right? And they're still evolving. So, uh, hopefully. And, um, and so, this uh, this vast web. So so um, things don't have inherent um, you know they're not in- inherently pleasant in themselves. So uh, we could say that something that somebody thinks is delicious, you know, gives another person hives, and they don't even want to look at that food. So perceptions, our perceptions come from within, and, and through those perceptions, the world arises in our consciousness. So through seeing, through hearing, tasting, touching, um, smelling, through our concepts, the world arises in our consciousness. And in a way, you know, of course, there's a lot of overlap in these worlds, right? Because if I, you know, if I ask what this is, uh, you know, we'll all say it's a chair or <coughs> unches or uh, something, whatever language. Um, but um, maybe this, maybe somebody had these kinds of chairs in their church and uh, they don't have good memories of the church. And so that kind of chair evokes something in one person and and uh, evokes something else in another. And for most people, it's probably pretty neutral. So we're all, so these, these, um, these perceptions are so uh, nuanced and they're also changing. Our, our perceptions 
of what is pleasant in terms of uh, the, you know, well, it's a very simple example. When we're sitting down for a long time, you know, we we might want to stand up, and then it feels pleasant to stand up. And then when we're standing up for a long time, it feels pleasant to sit down. So, so what's pleasant, unpleasant, what, what's attractive, unattractive, um, changes. You know, I, I, uh, I used to love, when I was a little kid, I used to love Mars bars. I don't know if they have them in Canada. Yeah, have Mars bars, and uh, you know, like they were just, just texture and everything about them. I love them, you know. I and then I didn't eat them for years and years, and I had a Mars bar. Then some years ago, as an adult, it's like, oh my God, this is so sweet. <laughs> it's just, no, thank you. So. So uh, we change, and what's attractive, what's unattractive, what's pleasing, what we want, what we don't want, and yeah, and to be, to to really to bring this to our sense of the body. You know, how do we perceive the body? How do we perceive this body? You know, do we perceive it informed by? birth, aging, illness, and death. A traditional greeting in Buddhist communities is greetings, brothers and sisters, greetings, siblings, family, in birth, aging, illness, and death. Do we, do we see this body in terms of birth, aging, illness, and death? Do we perceive this body in terms of interdependence, in terms of the way that we inter-are with all life forms? Do we see this body in terms of its capacity to be a ground for developing mindfulness, wisdom, compassion, kindness? Uh, to be, do we see this body in terms of its capacity to embrace, to welcome, to forgive? To bless, or do we see this body in the in the shallow, superficial way that so many aspects of society reflected back to reflect back to us? That your body is not thin enough, or not tall enough, or not young enough, or not uh, pleasing enough in the myriad ways that try to get us to buy different products to improve the body and the body's appearance. We get, we get pulled into the superficiality of that and you know how much how much of our of people's wealth is spent on you know products to to uh, enhance or what we consider to enhance um, our desirability.
So one of the things that reflecting on the this this dependent arising, this interbeing of life uh, evoked for me is is generosity that that when we think that we need to hold on you know to protect ourselves we we are cutting ourselves off from from life i mean i'm not saying that we shouldn't take care of ourselves and and have retirement funds and and think of you know think of you know having the capacity to to uh, take care of our our children and ourselves and if we get sick and so on but the degree to which we uh, we're fearful about being generous uh, with our resources with our time with our talents with our unique gifts with our um, with our kindness you know I mean how many times I know for me there have been many times when I've had an impulse of the heart to reach out in kindness just to to you know my neighbor is sick or or um, uh, you know uh, someone is suffering in some way and and I and the thought arises I should call them or I should I should go by and and how many times do I kind of it's 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 partly because of course you know we're all very busy but it's largely because I think you know well would they really want to would they really want to hear from me? Would they really want me to call? Would they want me to stop by? You know, how many times do we kind of just limit ourselves out of kind of fear or feeling that we're not adequate, you know, from from sharing? And 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 yet, you know it's it's the way of nature to be abundant, to share. Um, and, um, of course, nature has many different cycles and sometimes there's drought and sometimes... Um, uh, but, but life is resilient and life keeps coming forth. And, um, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a deep generosity to the way that we enter our there's a there's a component of of giving of dana to that and and it it is it is a joyful thing actually when we when we open our hearts and we we do share what we have and we do share of ourselves and we do reach out in kindness to 
support others in in the many different ways that we can. It's it's deep sense of joy and connection that arises from that. Um, it really affirms how we we are deeply connected, and our our suffering comes so much from our sense of alienation, our sense of separation, our sense of being alone, of of loss of connection. You know, especially in our in our contemporary society where, you know, in spite of the fact that we have all these little devices and social media, you know, people feel more lonely than they ever did when they lived in proximity and knew what was, knew that their neighbor's mother was sick or fell down the stairs. And uh, we had a, we had a young woman come from, oh, it was a Middle Eastern, it's a small Middle Eastern country, and I can't remember which one it was. But she came to some, uh, a number, she was a medical student studying in Montreal, and she came to a number of my Sunday s- sittings in Montreal. And we were talking one day about uh, the interconnection of people and, and loneliness, and, and she talked about her little village, you know, where... If someone lived alone, you know, others were, you know, expected to invite them to come and and stay with them or at least have meals with them. You know, it was it was part of the the social norm that people took care of each other. So so we can, you know, so as we as we think about how we're going to live uh, live our practice, live our the Dharma as it's unfolding in us. Um, we can find generosity. Generosity was usually the first teaching. Generosity, ethics, and renunciation were the first teachings that the Buddha would give when people came and asked him for teaching. Because it just opens our sense of uh, connection. To, to life. So, um, so I, I'll, I'll stop there. So, thank you for listening, and let's just take uh, a few breaths in silence together. together we share this this air this atmosphere of our common mother the earth our common mother with all the flora and all the fauna may we may our hearts be opened as we contemplate interbeing in our lives that we take care of and protect 
ourselves and all of life. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.